welcome Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to brand editions of the Pewter Report podcast, Energized by Celsius. We are in the middle of the week. It is a Wednesday edition of the show, and we turn our attention to week two, a pivotal, coveted matchup between two bitter, and I mean bitter, NFC South rivals. Of course, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the reason why everyone's watching here, and the New Orleans Saints. Uh, it's been tough sledding for the Bucs in the regular season with the Saints, but we'll see if they can end the streak going into uh, Sunday's game at 1 o'clock. I'm your host, Matt Matera, and joined with me is, also from PeterReport.com, Scott Reynolds. And Scott, it's time. It's finally the week that we've all been waiting for. Bucks saints it's been very lopsided on the region for the Saints, but nonetheless, there's always a lot of extra juice this week, a lot of extra, you know, motivation and just bad blood between these two teams. So it should be a very exciting contest on Sunday. Yeah, it should, Matt. And uh, w- what I like about today's show is I, I really think this is probably going to be the best Pewter Report podcast we've ever done. Um, I feel really good about that. Don't feel so good about this Bucks Saints game, right? I'm just tired of picking the Bucks to win, and they don't. So I'm going to do everyone a favor. I'm going to pick the the Saints to win this week, and one of two things is going to happen: either the Saints are going to win, and I'm going to look like a genius for picking the Saints again, or the Bucks are going to win, and then it's going to be because of me because I picked against them, and I was the hater, and then everybody on Sunday night's podcast can rub it at my face, but then secretly I'll be really happy because. I'm really tired of the narrative of this team losing to the Saints. I just am. And I was talking to some players today and even some Bucks personnel, even some, some support staff people that aren't players, they're sick and tired of the Saints too. They're tired of losing to New Orleans and having this. It's not even a rivalry anymore, really. It's not. I mean, they're in the same division. This is no rivalry. I mean, a rivalry is where you kind of get some back and forth. But this has been so one-sided that – the Saints are still the bully on the block. I mean, the Buccaneers won the NFC South last year, but didn't even beat the Saints to do it. I mean, they've they got swept again. So the last time they won was actually in New Orleans. It was the season opener back in 2017. Ryan Fitzpatrick, Ryan Fitzpatrick was your quarterback throwing for over 400 yards. And I want to say probably accounted for four touchdowns in that game. I know he, he ran for one. It's just been a long time, man. It's it's just been a long time coming, and uh, I, you know, I, I I want to 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 feel like the, the I think the game plan is going to be good. Right? I like this game plan better than the game plan that they've had in years past. And and I, I was not out there watching practice today. I don't have any privy and insight into what the Bucks are actually going to do this week. But based on what I saw last week, you know, if you want to run the ball, and we've we've been saying this even before camp started, they re-signed Leonard Fournette at seven million dollars for a reason. They're going to use him. They drafted a run-blocking right or left guard in Luke Gedeke and traded for a right block, a run-blocking right guard in Shaq Mason for a reason. They want to run the ball. They want to be more balanced than offense. Matter of fact, the last time the Bucks beat the Saints when it counted the most, was in the playoffs in 2020. And in that particular game, they they won by in large part because they ran the ball and they, got, they won the turnover battle. Uh, that's been the biggest key for 
the, the Saints is creating turnovers, getting those takeaways on defense. If you look at, at Tom Brady's numbers, he's been absolutely mortal. And mm-hmm. Dennis Allen's defense scheme and the players have made the plays. Brady has thrown six touchdowns and eight interceptions in those games. Also lost a couple of fumbles. He's been sacked 13 times total in the four games in the regular season Brady has played against the Saints. And, and I'll say this, in every one of those games, he has not been sacked fewer than three times. So this Saints defensive line will get to him, and and the, the, and if, if they don't get to him, the, the secondary will, will pick him off. That's That's been the M.O. in these games. So something has to change. Brady has thrown the ball 36 times, 38 times, 40 times, 48 times. When you try to get into a shootout with the Saints, it hasn't worked out the one time. They beat the Saints. Brady was throwing for two touchdowns, no interceptions, under 200 yards. I think he threw, threw for 199 yards. And he only threw the ball 33 times. So I think this game plan, which is to run the ball, be more balanced, play defense, I like their chances, but they got to execute. And you talk about all the times that Tom Brady has been sacked in the past in these games, and that comes from an offensive line that, their strength and the blocking struggle. So it's completely flipped on the other side and winning that game in the playoffs went a long way for, you know, as much as we talk about all of the, you know, the, the, just the, the house of horrors that it's been, whether going to new Orleans or playing them at Raymond James stadium, all of the losses, while it's still kind of a a stigma. And we talked about it a lot today in the locker room with the bucks players, Winning that playoff game and, of course, winning the Super Bowl bought them a lot of uh, a slack when it comes to just all of their transgressions when it comes to, to playing yeah. against the Saints. And we're definitely going to see a, a different Bucks team. I think Bucks fans and, and even the media, too, is still kind of getting used to the fact. And, Scott, you're one of the first people to talk about how the Bucks are going to run the ball more. But I think people are still in such shock being like, hey, the Bucs have Tom Brady and all these talented receivers. Yeah. How are they and why are they running the ball so much? But I think that's the key to go up against a, a Saints team that obviously has had the Bucks number. And even though they didn't get any sacks last week, I think that's a little bit because of the opponent they were playing with the Falcons. Oh, yeah. Mariota is without question a much more mobile quarterback yes. than Tom Brady, as much as we yeah. love talking about you know, the, the mobility of Tom Brady when he does right. escape the pocket and run forward. And talking about things that we love, of course, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Celsius Energy Drink, the title sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast. We love the different flavors that Celsius has. You see the Arctic vibe, peach and tropical. You could also go the cola route. I know Scott is a big fan of the cola. You also have sparkling quinoa, water, many different flavors, but also healthy energy drink. It does give you those post-energy drink jitters or that crash that you might get with others. It's a healthy energy drink, seven essential vitamins, and a variety of different flavors. Gives you essential energy, whether it's through a work day, a workout, a long drive, whatever it may be. So make sure you go to Celsius.com, click on the store locator, and find out where there's a Celsius near you because it is expanding. It is all over the place. I know I can go down the street and get myself a Celsius if I wanted to. Or another thing you could do, if you like the convenience of getting something delivered straight to your house or apartment, you can go to Amazon and have a sell and buy in in bulk. Variety is the spice of life. I would recommend the variety pack. 
to have it sent to your house every two, three weeks, whatever it may be, just make sure you're drinking Celsius Energy Drink. Celsius Live Fit, the providing sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast. Yeah, and and Matt, I, I know that that's you know, there's some fans out there that say, well, well, Tom Brady and all these these different weapons, they can they can sling the ball around the yard. They, they've tried that approach before, and it's not like the Bucks aren't going to throw the ball. They are, but it, it's it's difficult because I don't know how much you can take away from what the Falcons did, other than looking at Cordero Patterson. Right? He had he had 120 yards on the ground. So the 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 Falcons as a whole ran for over 200 yards 200. against the Saints, but 70 of that was Marcus Mariota. Yeah. I'm I might pencil Tom Brady in for 7 yards, but not 70, maybe 17 if he if he's feeling a little spry at age yeah. 45. He's had a couple of runs before, but he's also fumbled a couple times against the Saints too. It really in in that last game as well, which was a 9 to nothing fluke game. And I started to go back and look at that game and it just didn't really even make any sense. Because of two things. Number one, Taysom Hill was at quarterback that game, not Jameis Winston. They didn't have the, the weaponry that they have now with Chris Olave. Michael Thomas wasn't playing in the game. They didn't have Jarvis Landry. This is a completely different Saints attack. You're going to see more than nine points out of the Saints offense. And hopefully you're going to see more than zero from Tampa Bay's offense because that was the game where they lost Mike Evans early. Of course, Chris Godwin for the rest of the season. They also lost Leonard Fournette. Levante David at the end of the game. So that was a very costly game for the the, the Saints, um, or I should say for the Buccaneers, with the Saints doing a lot of damage, adding some uh, some injury to the insult of that 9 nothing game. So it's hard to kind of take away things from that particular game. It's also hard to take away things from the, the, the Falcons-Saints game just because the Saints do so much bootleg. Uh, the one thing I, I will say is they used an awful lot of play action and I do think that's one thing that, that that Tom Brady and this Bucks team will do more of, and that you saw some of it last week against the Cowboys, is using some play action. And, and I think that's the right approach to, to the Saints. I, I know that in this day and age, there there are you know the stat nerds and the analytics people that that believe wholeheartedly that that the running game is just inconsequential and that you, you can you can get more by throwing the ball. And, and listen, I'm actually a proponent of throwing the ball more on first down and running it on second. I would rather flip the script than Byron Leftwich, who likes to run the ball on first down. Yeah, I, I would much rather see this team be in second and four and then had that be a rundown. And and maybe you get four yards, you move the change, you avoid third downs altogether, or you get three yards and now you're in third and one, of which case Byron would go empty. Yeah. <laughs> and shotgun for no no reason. I, I can't stand that that part of the play calling. Uh, to me, third and two, third and one is, is a run or pass down. Don't tip off the defense and go empty. That's one thing I can't stand about this offense. But I will say this. What, what the running game does, the value, especially when you have a, a team that historically, whether it's Marcus Davenport rushing against Donovan Smith, in this case it might be, it might be you know Josh Wells. Uh, it looks like it's going to be Josh Wells. But Marcus Davenport's a, a player that that has, has you know wrecked havoc for for the, the Saints against the Buccaneers. Whether it's David Anyamata, uh, it doesn't get any easier for uh, Luke Gedeke in his second start to to go up against a, a player like like Anyamata, who's uh, you know hell of a player. They see Cam Jordan there; he's had some battles yeah. with Kristen Wirfs. 
They can throw Carl Granderson in there, who is a pass rush specialist. He got a sack last year against Tom Brady, rushing from the right side against the left tackles. So when you've got a team that has some pass rushers up front, I like the fact that if you run the ball and you're consistently doing it, you're going to wear those those defensive linemen down, right? It's it's almost like yes. you want to see Micah Parsons as a tackler, not as a pass rusher, right? We saw what Mark, Micah Parsons, the pass rusher, can do. He got two sacks on third downs in the red zone, forced two field goals, ended two drives. The Saints have got pass rushers galore up front. They're not as explosive as Micah Parsons, Matt, but they can still get the job done, and historically they have gotten the job done against the Buccaneers. So if you can establish the run and wear those guys down physically, they're not going to have the juice in the fourth quarter to get to the, the quarterback. And, and what, what might have been a sack if, if they were you know, at, at kind of full tilt might only be a pressure, and yet Tom Brady still gets the ball off. That's the difference, and that's where the attrition – and, and the physical wear and tear that an offensive line and guys like Coquif and and Kate Otten and and Cal Bray or Cam Bray, they they can you know they can wear down that Saints defensive front and that's kind of what we saw in that that playoff game back in 2020 and you saw the Buccaneers uh, have have quite the day on the ground in that that uh, you know they they ran for they had 189 yards passing against the Saints. And they, they ran the ball for 127 yards and a touchdown on 35 carries. I think if the Buccaneers can can somehow get back to that script, they won the game 30-20. to 20. And, of course, they won the turnover battle. They picked off Drew Brees, what, one, two, three times in that game. Forced if the they can as well. yeah. force the force fumble, a huge fumble by Antoine Winfield Jr., if they can follow that script, run the ball, get some takeaways on defense, uh, play it conservative even, play it safe on offense, and and just not make those those errors, especially in the passing game. They they have a chance, but they right. got to do it. Got to do it before I can pick them. Right. It, it's all about winning the game. It's not like college football where you have to win with style points. Right. Like, I don't care if the if the Bucks muck it up, make it muddy, and I mean they're indoors, but yeah, hypothetically muddy and right. and you know it's a, it's a grind it out type of game. But they end up winning. That's really all that matters. And. Running the ball is a perfect way to neutralize that pass rush. It's something I actually spoke about and talked to uh, Tristan Wirfs today about. Obviously, they're going to rely on Leonard Fournette, who he called a horse uh, when right. he runs the ball, which I thought was uh, was kind of funny. Yeah. But uh, to your point, when when you talk about the frustration frustrations of um, you know Byron Leftwich going empty on on a third and short, that lets the defensive line know, okay, we're going to go after the passer. Uh, on this play. So it's the perfect way to neutralize a really good pass rush. Despite the fact that the saints did not have a sack last week, they were eighth in the NFL last year with 46. That was one less than the bucks had at 47. So this is still a team that can get after the passer. And um, you know, the, the saints are pretty stout. Again, we always talked about how we crazy thing once rushing yards, but a lot came from Mariota. Um, you know, last year they were still, fourth best in stopping the run yeah. last season at 93 and a half yards per game. So this is a team that predominantly can stop the run with the exception of last right. week. You're kind of going a little bit of strength against strength here. I would say just overall, the Saints defense, you know, brings a lot to the table. So it's not just like they're good at stopping the run and that's right. about it. But the Bucks are going to have to play to the fact that they're better running the ball with the offensive line. So that's going to be key. And again, if you keep running it, 
that stops the rest of the pass rush from just, you know, licking their chops, putting their ears back and going up right. against Tom Brady, uh, you know, passing the ball a, a ton of different times. So here's Tristan Wirfs talking about neutralizing that pass rush. Talks a little bit about Leonard Fournette as well. And there's a little bonus part about him talking yeah. about uh, Micah Parsons having his grievances with the chip block from uh, last week. Yeah, it, it, that's what Coach Bulls was saying the other day. Um, you know, it's not a rivalry unless there's some give and take. So, you know, hopefully we can, you know, give it back to him and, and you know, get it back to a to a, a real rivalry. But yeah, we did get him when it counted. You know, my rookie year. Um, but you know, we see him twice a year every year. So, gotta have some some back and forth at least. They, they only had, they, they didn't have a single sack of Marcus Mariota against the the Falcons. They did have one quarterback hit. Was that surprising to you at all? Because they're they're a pretty tough That's, group up Yeah, they, they they're a good defensive front. You know, they're front four. They're big, strong guys. So. Um, you know, that's, that's what we're trying to do. You know, we're trying to keep 12 safe um, back there. And, you know, it's our goal to come off Sunday and, and, and hopefully shut them down. That yeah, how much awesome. how much can you help neutralize that pass rush by running the ball more, especially oh considering, God. like, how effective you guys were in the first game on Sunday night? Yeah, I think running the ball, like, the more we run the ball, kind of more it tires, like, tires them out and we kind of, I don't like, kind of pound on them a little bit. Um, I think as a defensive end or defensive lineman, that's what you get paid to do is rush the quarterback. So, you know. It's nice, and we, you know, if they're if we're throwing the ball a ton, like that's what we're just playing into their hands. So, you know, hopefully we get you know get the ball moving, and, and that's on us up front too. Um, you know, we got to give them the opportunity to, to call those plays and, um, and uh, get us those opportunities. So it's going to be it's going to be on. I think I think a lot of the game is going to be on you know the offensive line, and we're going to hopefully step up to the challenge. And it seems like you wore out. It seems like you. You know, I think it's a big thing. You know, Lenny Lenny carries a rock like a freaking like a horse. So. Um, you know, that's what we want to do. It just all it does is help us. You know, it kind of slows down their pass rush, and you know, that's what these guys are. These guys this coming week are good at. So, um, you know, I think the more we can, you know, hit the ground running, it'll be better for everybody. A horse, huh? Yeah. Oh my gosh, he's 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 crazy. He's so strong. He runs people like they didn't want to tackle him at the end of the game. Like they're like, no, they're just falling on the ground. Uh, somebody said like. They were like acting like they're on fire. They stopped dropping and rolling in front of them. So, <laughs> well, Michael Parsons too. You see that block that he put on him? Yeah, that, that was a good chip. That was a really good chip. Um, I seen all that beef too on Twitter about it. Um, I was like, if, if they want to get rid of chip blocks, then they should stop running twist games. It's the same thing. So, but it is what it is. You know, Lenny was running hard, and you know, hopefully we can do the same thing for him this week. How tough is Tom? Yeah, Trista Wirfs essentially said verb what you were just talking about. Absolute run, and that tires them out for the third and fourth quarter. Yeah, it, it, it's key. And and that's something that doesn't show up in analytics, right? I mean, there's a couple of things. Right. Momentum, grit, attrition, th- those are things that are really hard to kind of quantify. And it's just like when you're doing draft evaluations, right? You, you see guys that have heart. And we saw that even with like Logan Hall, right? He chased in, in the end of the, the of the preseason and that Colts game yes. chase, chase down, you know, earlier 47 yards down the field. That's not going to show up at the combine, right? Like you're not going to have measurables on that. Yeah. You have that want to that dog in you or you don't. And, and that's, that's where the running game does still have value in this league is, you know, when, when you drop back to throw it, uh, some good things can happen, especially when you got Tom Brady and Julio Jones and, and Mike Evans. I'm, I'm not denying that. And I'm not saying don't throw the ball. But to do it strategically, and one of the things that the Saints did a lot of, uh, or I should say the Falcons did, and this contributed to the Saints not having any sacks last week, was going max protection. There was a couple times that I saw when I, when I was skimming through that film, and I watched it live on, on Sunday, and, and then I went back and, and watched parts of the game, and, and they would do max protect where they would literally have two-man routes, right? And, and on one of those plays, um, 
uh, Werner, the Pete Werner, the, the linebacker, yeah, the who linebacker. Had, he had the most tackles actually forced a fumble on that play, but that was literally a two man route. So I, I'm, I'm all for that. I think sometimes whether it's Byron Lefwich or Bruce Arians or both or whoever that they, they would kind of, you know, try, try to go five targets for Brady yep. And 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 only have him being protected by five guys. And what you're doing is you're creating one on ones. If 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 they blitz Demario Davis, if they blitz you know a defensive back off the slot, and you got Tyron Matthew who can get in there and, and do some blitzing too, and he's not playing free safety. It, all you're doing is you're creating one on ones up front. And when you have guys like Luke Gedicke in his rookie season, Robert Hainsey in his second start, Shaq Mason who's in his second game in this system and there's a couple plays where Shaq Mason got beat last week uh, even though he's an experienced guard and you got Josh Wells who's your backup left tackle you're asking for it if if you put those players in one-on-one situations too often so I'm all in favor of Max Protect you got some, some tight ends that can block on this team now Otten Keeft uh, you know Cam Brate can can get in there and, and dig in and help with a double team so I'm I'm all for using Julio Jones and, and Mike Evans, uh, you know, as, as some two-man routes in this game, not all the time, obviously, but here and there and using some play action. But but be very methodical with the, the times that you're calling for for the passing game and and just run the hell out of the ball and try, try to, to win the battle in the trenches. I'm totally with you. I think whether it's cockiness or bravado, you want you want to call it either one. But, you know, sometimes the, the play calling – it seems like, okay, yeah, we're fine with just having, you know, good on good with the offensive line and not really providing help. And you really saw it rear its ugly head when Donovan Smith was out of the game and Parsons just devoured. Well, see if Smith plays this game and if not, but if Wells is in there, I mean, you can't go a majority of the game having him block one-on-one against whether it's Cam Jordan or Davenport. I'm sure they might move Jordan around here and there. You just... You're signing up Tom Brady to hit the ground like double digit times yeah. if you're just going to have Wells go one on one. So I really don't think you can go and do that. And as you said, like Keith was great lining up both at fullback and at tight end. I asked him if he preferred one over the other. And yeah. it's like, literally, I'll just do what the coaches <laughs> ask me. Like, yeah. I don't care. I'll line yeah. up anywhere. I have no issues at all if they, if, yeah, Max Protect, not every single time, but right. you you can't just go one-on-one every single time, especially whether it was Parsons last week or some of the great pass rushers and defensive players, Demario yeah. Davis, I'm a personally a big fan of. You just, you can't go one-on-one with these guys. It, it's, yeah. it's really going to set you up for failure. The Bucks are at the point right now, I, and I understand it's early in the season. Yeah. They can't go and drop back 40 to 45 times. It's just it's just the way it is right now with, yeah. with the new offensive line, especially if Wells is in there. There will be a time later in the season where, yeah, they can rely more on the passing game. But right. why break? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And why yeah. mess with something that worked to a T? You know, over 150 rushing yards, 127 yeah. for Leonard Fournette. It was a great formula. It worked to a T. You got to keep it going for this game and take advantage where you can with the strength of the offensive line. Yeah. And here's the thing too. If you get behind in this game, guess what? You're going to have to pass the ball. So maybe, maybe pass the ball on the regular when you need to. Right. Mm. But, but early on probe them on the ground. See, see if you can find some of those, those cracks in, in the saints armor as Cordero Patterson did on, 
you know, for 120 yards on over 20 carries, including a touchdown. And and I, I again, it's it's a different offense, right? Uh, you can't look at, at the Mariota part of it and the bootlegs and, and that type yeah. of passing game because that's not Brady's thing. He's a pocket passer, et cetera. But um, I, I will I will say this. When Coquith was in there, by my count, he accounted for 62 of, yes. of the rushing yards when he was on the field, either as a fullback or in, in that, that uh, as a wingback or that jumbo tight end look that Josh Capo had in his Bucks film room, uh, which is a must-read article today, by the way. Folks, if you have not checked out our content on pewterreport.com, please do so. We feel like we get the best Bucks coverage around. Hopefully, you'll agree. I know we have a lot of people on the the podcast here that that uh, that watch the podcast. Check us out on social media. Make sure you're going to the website. Breaking news, inside scoop, game coverage, expert analysis. We we dive heavy into free agency and draft coverage. Nobody does the Bucks offseason like we do at Peter Report. And make sure you're following us on our social media handles at Peter Report on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And, of course, here on YouTube, it's Peter Report TV. Make sure you're subscribing and make sure you like our videos, too, that, that Matt puts up and, and Casey. And uh, and, and we, we had Josh do the, the Touchback Tuesday, which was a great interview with Antoine Winfield Jr. that's going to yes. be coming out uh, on the regular, which, which would be cool. And, of course, these podcasts. So make sure you're hitting the Like button. That helps our algorithm, helps us get in front of more pewter people. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of great content coming up. We had some. Uh, we actually posted a video right before this with Carlton Davis and Michael Thomas, which, of course, yeah. we will be talking about later. That was a lot of um, great stuff. That we Well, and into. also, too, right, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about, you know, about his his famous tweet, too. Uh, th- this was a, a tweet from Carlton Davis. And I want to say this was January 24th of 2021. So this was when Michael Thomas wasn't playing for the Saints. Mm-hmm. And this was Carlton Davis. And he said, can't guard Mike. I bodied you three games in a row, little dude, and cover one goofball. And I'm going to dog your little ass again next year. So you better work on them routes. So, And he didn't even get to play against them because Michael Thomas I, missed the entire season. With an exactly. He missed the 2021 season. So now Michael Thomas, though, he did come back with a vengeance. He had two touchdowns in, in Sunday's win. Uh, Jameis Winston looked really bad for the first three quarters. But this guy really turned it on in the fourth quarter when it counted. And and uh, that was certainly uh, you know good for the Saints because they were down 16 points. It was the first time they have they have come back to win, a, you know, a, a game that that they were trailing by 16 points in the fourth quarter in their history. I think they were two mm-hmm. 208 and nothing uh, in in terms of, of losing those games. So you had you had the, a comeback there, and that was that was you know pretty pretty special win for the Saints. Uh, but but again, we talked about this the other day, Matt. The the Falcons have just perfected the art of the choke. You can always count on the Falcons blowing a lead in the fourth quarter. You can. Uh, it, it is their mo. You know they must. They have it essentially tattooed on on themselves at this point. We will choke in the fourth quarter. Happens yeah. every single time. The Mariota fumble when it was third and about one. Yeah. And as we just right on about, cue, right on cue. They ran for two hundred yards in the whole game, and yeah. they couldn't convert a third and one. Yeah. Because he couldn't get the handoff. Yeah. Yeah. He. Yeah. He couldn't. It became. Uh, a huge issue and you know if you 
wanted to like live bet the Saints in that game, yeah, you probably would have made like a lot of money. But I would, you know, obviously Bucks fans are here. You might want to bet on the Bucks this week when they play the Saints. If you're gonna go and do that, you should be doing it at mybookie.ag. And of course, the Bucks and Saints play on Sunday. There is a Thursday night game this week. Excited that that's back. It's a pretty good matchup, too, between the Chargers and the Chiefs. So as they prepare for battle of the AFC West on Thursday night, you can prepare for your winning season at my bookie. Some like to bet and earn to make uh, the season more exciting. Either way, my bookie gives you the most for your money with a double deposit bonus. It's quick and easy. A $250 deposit puts $500 in your account instantly. Even if you learn from Plant City Math, you can figure that out. You use your funds to bet on as many games, contests, and props as you want. To claim your bonus, register today and use the promo code Pewter. And that is designed to add more excitement to the games and sports that you love. That's promo code Pewter to double your money up to a thousand bucks with my bookie. It's only week two of the NFL season, which means there's still plenty of time to get in on the action. Do not miss out. Begin your winning season today exclusively at MyBookie. Once again, that promo code is Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R. We try to make it easy for everybody, right? Yeah. Scott, um, we, um, oh, yeah. go ahead. Just a little, little uh, friendly reminder here from, from Adam Davies. Hit that thumbs up button, guys. We always appreciate that. Thank you so much. I was going to say, let's show the – Carlton Davis video. He was asked by you, by multiple people about playing Michael Thomas, the overall, you know, beef with the Saints. And he talked a little bit about that tweet that you had mentioned a minute ago, yeah. a minute ago. Um, so about to play the video in a moment. Might be a little bit louder, so just make sure you adjust your volume. Um, if if that case, in that case, if it's a little too loud. But here's Carlton Davis talking about the highly touted matchup with Michael Thomas. But with Mikey, what what, is what challenges does he impose? Yeah, I believe you know. I believe you know the special picture. I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, he just he got a wide radius, catch radius. Some of it. Carlton, do you respect him? Huh? Do you respect him? Do I respect him? Yeah. Yeah, I respect everybody, of course. I respect everybody who puts on their pads and get out there. Yeah. You know, for us, it's, it's a, another divisional game that we need to win. Um, and, you know, they do some good things. They made some off-season adjustments with their personnel. But nevertheless, we got a job to do, and we're going to go out there and do it. At the end of the day, you know, we got to get this win. And if they want to pass the ball, then by all means, pass the ball. <laughs> I'm ready. You're ready? Yeah. And, but I mean, we see some of that trash talk on social media. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes getting real sticky. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not going to really, I'm not really a trash talker, especially like over social media. It's not really my thing. I guess the emotions you know, kind of got caught up in it. But, uh, you know, during the game, it is what it is. It is what it is during the game, you know. Emotions are high, and we're out there playing ball. So it'll be whatever, whatever it is. It's going to be, you know. How um, how different? I love that guy. You can just just, just love that guy. That's how much he doesn't like Michael Thomas. Yeah. The la I was cracking up 
at the left because yeah. it's one of those like you know he's trying to keep it pg you know he's right. not going to be like f that guy yeah he's trying not to but, give him any bulletin board material right yeah but it's just like the you know if you're like an awkward situation and you don't know what yeah. else to do besides start laughing you right can just really tell how much he doesn't like this guy to the point where yeah. it's like oh what does michael thomas bring to the game like yeah you got a catch radius yeah. Okay. Well, I I asked him. I said, "Do you respect him?" Because I mean, the, the tweet that he put out there was was pretty disrespectful. Not yeah. not that I disagree yeah. with it or mind it. I I love love Carlton Davis. I love that dude. That guy's he's a phenomenal uh, defensive player, great cornerback. And and the thing is, is he said, "I respect anybody that puts on the pads and puts on the uniform." And I almost like maybe I'm reading too much into this, but the fact that Michael Thomas didn't play last year, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> You know, it's, it's almost like I respect guys that, you know, actually want to play. I, I think that's how I took it. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. What do you guys think? I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm ready for this matchup more than any of them. I think this is going to be good. Now, of course, at the same time, the Saints, just like the Buccaneers, they'll, they'll move Mike Evans around. You're not going to see Carlton Davis on Michael Thomas um, on, on every play, right? I, I think that the way Tom Bowles likes to, to play things is Carlton Davis is the left corner, Jamel Dean's the right corner. You get confidence in both guys. You're going to see a fair amount of those battles, and and I think that Carlton Davis is going to win the fair amount of the battles that, that he goes up against Michael Thomas. He's just ready to play right now. The one thing he did say, though, is 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 this, this is a game where the emotions run high, and we've seen the emotions, especially the last time they were in New Orleans, get a little too high. And yeah. and I, I remember asking a couple of players this offseason, what's been the problem? Yeah. Why have the Saints beaten you? And I want to say maybe it was Winfield. Maybe Shaq it was Winfield. Barrett was asked. Or Shaq, maybe it was Shaq Barrett. I asked a couple of guys this off. Yeah, during Donovan the offseason. as well. And, and, and they said that, that some they feel like they get too high for this game. They feel like they make it too much of a, of a big deal. And, and they get too amped up and too emotional, and they kind of lose focus. And you saw those three penalties, those three personal fouls from Devin White last year. Those were detrimental penalties. So they've, they've got to play with a cool, confident, level head because, honestly, that's how the Saints play. The Saints do not fear the Buccaneers, not one bit. And why would they? Whether it's in Tampa on a 38-3 to shellacking on Sunday Night Football at Raymond James Stadium or whether it's in their own dome, they're just not afraid of the Buccaneers because they beat them and they have done so seven straight times in the regular season. Yeah, so that's why I was curious about some of the answers that we heard today. Like the video earlier from Tristan Wirfs, you know, he said, you know, Todd Bowles, he was quoting Todd Bowles essentially saying that, well, it's not a rivalry if, you know, if only one side keeps winning. And and Devin White spoke today as well. And obviously they asked about losing to the Saints so many times and what would it mean if they won and he pretty much said, like, if they won, it just means they're 2-0. and It doesn't really establish anything. Um, he talked a lot as well about how he doesn't feel that they have to prove anything to the Saints, despite the fact that they've lost so many I times don't believe in the regular that. season. So, I don't believe that. that well, it, I think it's, it's good lip it, service from Devin, but I don't believe yeah, it. it. It's one thing if they're just not trying to create headlines on right. camera. But Smart. I, was, I was thinking about the other side of it, of – Maybe they came together as a group, and to your point, everything that you asked them, you know, back in in, in June or whatever it was before training camp yeah. even started, the fact that they get too overhyped and maybe overthink, and that's caused mistakes and penalties mm-hmm. and everything like that. Maybe they're really trying to take an, an effort of 
we have to, I know it's a divisional game and it's for first place, even though it's this early in the season, right? but we really do just have to treat it like another game. And that yeah. way they don't get it in their heads. It was something that I, that I was thinking about, uh, you know, coming home today after leaving yeah. the locker room and the Bucks facility. You know I what? don't necessarily know if that's the case, but I think it's something to think about. I, I'll say this, and we've already seen in week one just some philosophy differences from Todd Bowles and Bruce Arians, just in running the ball and playing good defense. And I almost think that maybe maybe Todd Bowles is is the better head coach in this situation because he is a little bit more like calm and level-headed. He, he almost has a little bit of Tony Dungy in him, right? Just that kind of like quiet confidence about him. But then at the same time, you know, he will not – not in press conferences or or maybe to referees like Bruce Arians would, where Bruce would just lose his cool and just blow up, you know, and get all red faced and all that. And I love that. I, I love coaches like him and John Gruden that they get animated like that. They're just fun to cover. But yeah. but with Todd, he he has some of that, you know, smack talk, trash talk about him, but it's so low key. It's almost like Carlton Davis, right? And I just wonder like if maybe the temperament, the the tone that, that Bowles is setting this week is one more of guys this is business attention to, de- to details it's it's not the you know payback we're going to get these guys we're going to turn the get table red in the face and right you know, not focused on the the Owen 7 not focus on the fact that 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 it's a divisional game even it's just this is the next opponent and they are the saints and if if we take care of our business if we play like we're supposed to it's more about us than it is the saints and I think maybe in years past, it's been more about the Saints than it is the Buccaneers, and that kind of has gotten into, into Tampa Bay's head. I could be that, wrong, but that's just the feeling I get from Bowles and talking to the players in the locker room and the vibe this week and how it's just a little bit different so far than it has been in years past when the Bucs have gone up against the Saints. I totally understand what you're saying. It, it, it That's been the mantra in these losses to – by the Bucs to the Saints. A lot of it is just the fact that the Bucs are beating themselves, committing turnovers that they don't normally do. Having the ball with the game on the line with Tom Brady, which, you know, nine times out of 10, you're going to score and and, and win the game. But against the Saints, they turn the ball over. So maybe it's just something where the Bucs kind of just need to chill out a little bit, just just chill and relax. And I know one way that I like to hang out and, and chill and relax is, by having a Pirate Republic beer. Oh, there's no doubt about it. I'm actually having one right now, Matt. Uh, I, I didn't wait I didn't wait until the, the promo. I've actually been drinking this Long John Pilsner. It's fantastic. Folks, if you're looking for you know a, a, a new beer to try, this is going to be one of your mainstays. Let's just talk about the Long John Pilsner. 4.5% packs a little bit of a punch for a Pilsner. It's the lightest beer, the most crisp and refreshing uh, beer that, that they have. This is the kind of beer that you can drink on a hot day, whether it's tailgating at the game, whether it's you want to pack the cooler full of beer, take it to the beach, to the pool. This is the one that's crushable. You can go, you know, throw back a couple of these. It's not too heavy. It's just got that light, crisp, refreshing taste. And and it really is a flavorful beer. It's it's probably, it is the best tasting Pilsner that I've, I've had. One of the best tasting beers that I, I, I enjoy. And... Pirate Republic, they're the official beer of Peter Report. Live life on your own terms. That's how they want you to live. 
you're fans of of a pirate football team. You kind of have a pirate swagger about yourself as as a, a Tampa Bay fan. Why not drink a pirate beer? Pirate Republic brewed in Nassau, Bahamas, and enjoyed here in the Tampa Bay area. You can find them at, at favorite retail stores, participating Total Wine and More, ABC Liquors, Lucan's Liquors, and Party Liquors. And we would be remiss if we didn't also mention that on Wednesdays, because defense wins championships, Matt. Uh, we, we have a, a new segment called Plunder. And with this segment here, presented by Pirate Republic, we're going to talk about the leaders of the Buccaneer defense when it comes to interceptions, sacks, takeaways, because, again, let's, let's remember that, that uh, the defense wins championships. So uh, right now, You've got Devin White as your early leader with two sacks. Yep. He's also one of the top leading sackers in the league with two sacks. You've got uh, Vita Vea, who only had four sacks last year. He's already off to a hot start with one. He beat Logan Ryan. I'm sorry, Logan Hall oh. to, to one sack. And uh, and and I got a funny feeling JTS is going to get his first sack of the season, uh, and and maybe even Logan Hall as well. We'll talk about the defense here in just a second. And then, of course, the other sack, Anthony Nelson, right? Picking up where he mm -hmm. left off with, with a, a sack. The, the Bucks had one takeaway. It was good enough to win the, the turnover margin against the Cowboys. That was Antoine Winfield Jr. Carlton Davis was a little pissed today. He, he admitted that, <laughs> that he was getting ready to pick off that pass. And Winfield stepped right in front of him. So, of course, that, that sack happened because of pressure from Shaq Barrett and JTS that forced a quick errant pass by Dak Prescott. And that's one thing, too, that the Bucs are going to have to get some pass rush going against yes. the, the Saints. And that was really an area where the, the Falcons, especially Grady Jarrett, was able to come home. And the tackles, Ryan Ramchick, he's he's a, a tough out, right? I mean, that's, that's a Pro mm -hmm. Bowl right tackle. James Hurst filled in for Trevor Penning. And he gave up a sack to Arnold Ebiketti from the Falcons, the rookie. Yep. But the, the one thing about uh, the Saints that you can kind of count on is they're, they're a little soft in the middle of the guard position, right? Uh, Cesar Ruiz, Ruiz did not have a good game. He gave up uh, a couple of sacks, and, and you had uh, 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 Andrus Pete, the other guard. Uh, both of those guys were two of the lowest-graded Saints players, not just on the offensive line, but on the offense by pro football focus. So they're strong at center, Eric McCoy. They've got some strength at the tackle positions, but the guard spots are their weaknesses. And, you know, Vita Vea, Akeem Hicks, Logan Hall, Will Golston, the defensive line as a whole did not have a great game against the Cowboys. They did enough, especially after they made some adjustments after the first quarter to kind of mm -hmm. shut down the run. We saw Vita Vea get the sack, but we didn't see too many one-on-one uh, -on -one wins yeah. or tackles for loss by the yep. defensive line. I think that might change this week because these two guards, I mean, neither one of these guys is Zach Martin. And I think that that Akeem Hicks, this might be a game where where you know he he gets the best of Cesar Ruiz. I, I think we're going to see this kind of be the coming out party in Tampa Bay for Akeem Hicks this week. Yeah, we were all excited about, you know, how Akeem Hicks looked in the preseason and the coaches obviously have been hyping him up and he, he wasn't a disappointment by any means in the game against the Cowboys, but he didn't do, I think, what many of us were like hoping to see from him um, in that first game. Logan Hall, there's a video that a uh, friend friend of the program, Stephen Che, had put out about him beating Zach Martin 
getting a tackle for a loss. So very exciting to see what uh, Logan Hall can do against a much inferior opponent when it comes to yeah. the Saints offensive line. And, you know, we talked about earlier, Josh Capo has some great film breakdowns of just multiple different Bucks players. That's on pewterreport.com right now. Josh also cut up some tape of the Saints uh, offensive line and defensive line. We'll show you the Saints uh, offensive line where they struggled against the Falcons in Sunday's game. So, uh, you know, this is a little, you know, bonus for people watching the show on YouTube. If you're listening on the audio, yeah. uh, you obviously won't be able to see the video. So, so watch us on YouTube, subscribe. But yeah, here's some of the struggles that we saw from the Saints in their game against the Falcons. Mm-hmm. Little play action there coming up the middle. Keegan, the penetration right up the middle in the quarterback's face, that, that's where the, the guards can be exploited. And, and even in, here in the shotgun, right, this is a situation where this is good coverage, and then if a kid comes around and gets the sack on Hurst. So uh, there's nothing that helps a great pass rush like like great coverage and vice versa. Great. You know, there, there you see a wide open. Yeah, that, that's that's a blitz. You're going to see Jameis Winston yep. get blitzed quite a bit. I think this is the game, too, where you're going to see Keanu Neal, right? We didn't see him at, outside of special teams. And as Todd Bowles kind of alluded to after the Cowboys game, the score and the way that the game was flowing, it allowed the Buccaneers to keep some of their tricks in the bag. And I think we're going to see a Keanu Neal package against the Saints this week. Not going to say any more than that. But I wouldn't be surprised if we see 22 on defense in this game doing some really interesting things. There's some things that we saw in training camp that we might see the defensive package that that Keanu Neal is featured in. And, and at the same time, too, Devin White is showing uh, an awful lot of, of um, control, which is something yeah. that he lacked last year in blitzing. And so far, I mean, he's you know two for two in terms of, of getting home and beating the, the the blocking back, that was Tony Pollard last week, the more that he shows the ability to, when his number's called, get to the quarterback and get him on the ground, the more green lights he's going to receive from Todd Bowles to do that, the more trust he's going to have. And <laughs> let's not forget, what do you have, nine sacks back in 20... Uh, yeah, 2020. Before 2020 he went on right? the, uh, yeah, before he went on the COVID list. He, yeah. There's a good chance that he probably would have got double-digit sacks. Potentially Correct. could have led the Bucs in sacks yeah. that year. He's man. already got two I, to start the season. He's got exactly. 16 more games to get eight more sacks, and he's a double-digit sacker. I would not be surprised one bit if Devin White, at this pace, if he stays healthy, gets to 10 sacks. He just seems like a different player. Todd Bowles said on, on the, the Bucks podcast that was Devin White's best game, and I thought it was, again, I don't understand the PFF, the PFF grades pro football focus does some very good things, but I can't put my rubber stamp endorsement on everything that, that, that they do. I don't understand some of, of their, their pass protection grades. You clearly saw James Hurst give up a sack, the left tackle for the saints in a pro football focus. They said he had an 89.1% or 89.1 grade in pass protection and they didn't have him giving up a sack. Now, maybe that was a covered sack. It doesn't matter. Sometimes you still have to do your job and mirror and protect. And I don't know how they gave him a pass for that 
and saying that he didn't give up a sack. And the same thing, too. Devin White had a middling grade. I want to say it was in the 50s. I thought he was fantastic as a blitzer in, in, in terms of, of a tackler. He had eight tackles. I didn't see him miss any tackles. He gave up, what, three catches for 28 yards? I'll take right. that all day in terms of, of pass uh, coverage. I just thought it was, it was a great start for Devin White. And if we can see that type of play from Devin White in week two and what is a homecoming for him being an LSU guy, um, I like the Bucks' chances. Yeah, he, he had a funny answer today. Someone was like, oh, you know, are you are you looking forward to, to like, playing at home because he's from Louisiana and everything like that? He's like, my home is in Tampa Bay. <laughs> like he, he's <laughs> yeah. playing the fact that he's uh, right. that he's from Louisiana. It's very funny, Scott, because I remember when we spoke to like Larry Foot a couple of times again, but before like training camp got started, and that's obviously been one of the big adjustments for Devin White. Devin White was very cannibal of himself, but we all talked about how Larry Foot could really be a huge help for for Devin White. And Larry talked about the fact that. Being that inside linebacker, there are some that you can get in quarterback a lot. But he was saying that he was telling Devin that he doesn't have to be the guy that gets double-digit sacks or whatever it right. may be. But I, I think that that tune might change a little bit, and not to the detriment of the Bucks defense at all by many means, by any yeah. means. But just the fact that that was one of my gripes with Devin last year is that there was a lot of times he would blitz and then just get stonewalled by the running back. And I'm thinking. Yeah. You're one of the fastest players on defense. You should not be getting stood up by running backs that are a lot smaller than you in stature. So uh, to see him already win a couple of those battles blitzing, I think is super important and yeah. should hold up again well against the Saints too. And it's funny, like one of the only few mistakes, and I like pro football focus, so I'm not, I'm not dissing them by any means. Right. But I do think sometimes just the eye test is a little bit more important. Of, yeah. like, when you actually see him out there and you're like, what are you talking about? He he dominated out yeah. there. One of the few mistakes he actually had was getting a stop on fourth down, but it was a pass breakup versus taking it to the house. Pick six, yeah, exactly. Pick six. And he was right. so mad about that after. Yeah, the that was up for the game as well. And uh, yeah, he he was beating himself up over the fact that first of all he was like, oh, did, was it too high? And and uh, might have been Larry Foote was one of the coaches like. No, it was yeah. right off your hands. You should have caught it. Went right through your hands. <laughs> should have caught yeah. it. You know that that would have been that would have been a an NFC defensive player of the week moment right there. If he had a pick six, two sacks, and eight tackles, I mean, I, I think then we're we're getting him some some honors. Uh, I, I will say this though, right? I mean, he's he's going to be entering his fifth his uh, fifth year option. Devin White, if he keeps playing this way, is going to be making a lot of money. And I'm, I know exactly where he can invest it and, and get some, some good returns. At Amuni Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations. We're so happy Thank for you. you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow, today. Aim Uni Financial. Plan ahead, stay ahead. Managing your family's wealth means more to Muni Financial than simply allocating your assets. It means legacy planning, brokerage and advisory services, retirement accounts, college savings accounts, and insurance services. With 40 years of experience here in the Tampa Bay area, let Muni Financial help you plan ahead and stay ahead. They can help you anywhere in the nation. 
So give them a call. Do what I did. I've got most of my financial investments and all of my, my personal assets with Immuni Financial. They'll treat you right. They'll give you the best uh, information and, and way to navigate this economically uncertain time that we're living in right now. Give them a call at 1-800-868-6864 or visit them on the web at immuni.com. You know, Matt, when I was looking at at, at the, the Saints-Falcons uh, game footage, one of the players that really stood out to me a lot, well, two, one of which we know, that's Taysom Hill. He has been a thorn in the Bucks' side for quite some time. The Saints did a, a pretty good job running the ball as well, but they got over 50 yards uh, on one play from Taysom Hill running a Wildcat, yeah, and then they scored the on the next play doing the exact same uh, – type of quarterback run game where he's taking the snap from center and, and running it in. And, and the guy that, that really impressed me, and he also had a couple of catches in that game. I think he had two catches for 43 yards. That's tight end Jawan Johnson, number 83. He really impressed me as a run blocker and also as, as a receiver. He's a dangerous guy that kind of flies under the radar. You know, they have Chris Olave now, the first-round draft pick that's created a lot of buzz in New Orleans because of his speed. you got Jarvis Landry, the old savvy, uh, crappy vet. Right, mm. a 40-yard catch to kind of save the day and get the, the Saints into field goal position on that, that last uh, game winner. Seven catches, 114 yards. you got Michael Thomas, who's back. Five catches, 57 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, you always have to worry about Alvin Kamara, although I thought that the the uh, the Falcons defense did a pretty good job against him on the ground, limiting him to 39 yards on just nine carries, the long of 15, and three catches for seven yards. Kamara wasn't the guy that beat him. But yeah. Taysom Hill, that 57-yard run, he ended up with 81 yards on the day. But Juwan Johnson, number 83, that's that's a guy that – that it kind of concerns me from a run blocking and a, a pass catching standpoint. And Taysom Hill, how are they going to use this guy? Right? Are they going to use him as a Wildcat quarterback? More than likely, I'm sure we'll see some of that. that that's given the Bucks some problems before. That's something Todd Bowles has acknowledged. Is hey, Taysom Hill has given us some problems. We really haven't had much of an answer for him. Taysom Hill was, as far as the run game went, like that was the thing that had going for against the Falcons. I was surprised too because you know the one big run that he had going along the uh, you know the sideline on the right hand side. I felt like the Falcons for a bit like had it covered. Like the defensive line was going the same direction. I was like, okay, they're going to stop him here, and then he just slipped through one of the holes, and it was off to the races for that. So obviously, that's something that the Bucks have to account for. Yeah. Um, they work on it a ton in practice. You know, having a wide receiver be the practice be the practice squad quarterback. Like, yeah. how do you go? And defend this, but I I am curious when the Saints because they'll do it at some point. It's like Taysom Hill; they run it, run it, run it, run it, and then he actually drops back for a pass. And yeah. he obviously does have passing yeah. prowess. He's not the most accurate guy in the league, but I am curious if they will because it's so early in the season, just you know, week two, if they already play that card a little bit because it's you know an NFC South game with the number one team that you're going to be fighting for the division crown for, yeah. or if they still decide to keep it for, you know, later in the season pull when you might need it a little bit more if offense begins to stall. As far as Kamara too, he's obviously a dangerous player, but, you know, since Todd Bowles has been here as, as the defensive play caller, in general, I think the Bucs have done a good job of containing him and really slowing him down. So 
Um, you obviously want to get Jameis in those third and long type of situations. Yeah. They have some better receivers than they have in the past. That was something that you asked Todd Bowles about. If if, if this weapon-wise is the best that the Saints have had for a couple of years. He didn't necessarily say that that's the case, but I, I, I it looks like it to me. think so. If Thomas is healthy, he's still a <laughs> yeah. really good receiver, despite right. what Carlton Davis will say about him. Right. Olave I mean, had a key two-point conversion catch, and I think he's only yeah. going to get better with more experience. So it's definitely a tougher offense than the Bucks played last week against Dallas. Correct. I mean, Dalton Schultz was like their lead receiver, and then you, you talked about Johnson, uh, another tight end, but in, in this situation, more offensive weapons for, for the Saints and the Cowboys had, yeah. so... Definitely going to be a tougher matchup. We know Jameis loves to sling it, but uh, yep. we'll see what Jameis Well, and speaking of, of Bucks saints we would be remiss if we didn't tell you that Pewter Game Day is, is coming your way. Matt Matera and Casey Hudson will be calling all the action, live in-game analysis at 1 o'clock. Before that is the Celsius Pewter Report tailgate show presented by Age Rejuvenation. That's live at Walk-Ons, and that's going to be at the Walk-Ons in Midtown, the new Midtown location, and that's in Tampa, just off of what's well, close to Dale Mabry, and probably about five minutes away from the stadium. So make sure you join myself, JC Allen, Bailey Adams will be there, John Gilmore, former Bucks tight end, will actually be there as well, and he does uh, he his uh, um, like me is we're clients of Age Rejuvenation. And uh, we had a great time at the Wesley Chapel location. And we have Celsius out there giving free cans of Celsius away. We've got some Buccaneer apparel as well as Pewter Report gear to give away as well. So make sure you're joining us. There's drink specials at the walk-ons in Midtown. And you can that's at the 1140 Gramercy Lane in Tampa. And so... We want you to come out and meet us, greet us, and, and we'll give you all of the Bucks Saints information and the latest news. We do have the injury report, which we'll get to right now. And for the Buccaneers, let's see. Players that were not participating today. Tom Brady did not participate. It was not injury related. Again, I think we're going to see this all season long. Matt Wednesday is going to be his off day. Mike Evans had a calf injury, limited participation. Leonard Fournette, hamstring, limited participation. Russell Gage, hamstring, limited participation. A lot of these are precautionary. I don't think they're going to really affect the Bucs on game day. Chris Godwin did not participate. That's no surprise. Same with Donovan Smith and Zion McCollum, who's still dealing with the hamstring injury. Tristan Wirfs, abdomen was limited. He, of course, played wire to wire in that game. So did Julio Jones with a knee. He did not participate as well. But again, I don't think that's anything to be concerned about. Really, it's going to be on on um, on Thursday's report. It, it, see how some of these guys return to practice. Yeah, for the Saints, Cam Jordan was limited with the hip. Alvin Kamara ribs limited. Marcus May the safety limited with an ankle. Traquan Smith shoulder limited. Dwayne Washington limited as well. Jameis Winston back limited. Uh, Landon Young with the hip was limited. Mark Ingram the running back with an ankle limited. Calvin Throckmorton, illness, limited, and uh, Alante Taylor, limited with the hip, and uh, Paul Adebo ankle, cornerback, did not participate on Wednesday. So a lot of guys that are out, not feeling so good. And you know what? I wasn't feeling so good either as I turned 50 years old until I went to age rejuvenation. And I'll tell you what, folks, it's made a big difference for me. 
As we age, our hormones decrease, both for men and women. I was tired all the time, had no sex drive. I was groggy. I felt like I was 80 years old because everything hurt. I came to age rejuvenation because I was tired all the time. Bioidentical hormones has really made such an impact in people's lives. I actually enjoy shopping now. Got my, all my energy back. Mind is sharp. I feel like I'm 18 again. It was perfect for me. Get with age rejuvenation. Do it now. Don't wait. Call age rejuvenation today. Guys, that's John Gilmore, former Buccaneer. He's on our Pewter Report tailgate show, and he's been a, a client of age rejuvenation for about a year now. And he told me about it, man, you got to try age rejuvenation. It, it makes a big difference in your energy level and with, with your mental alertness and losing weight. And, and I became an age rejuvenation customer about a month ago. And it takes about two or three weeks for the pellets to kick in. But boy, I feel better. And where I first noticed it was I started sleeping better. I've not been sleeping well for the past two years, having to take melatonin and all these things to help get to sleep and stay asleep. And, and, and I'm telling you, the age rejuvenation, the testosterone therapy, that's the first area I noticed I'm sleeping great at night. And that's a huge key thing for, for energy. And that's something that as we get older, guys, it just it's natural. It happens. So if you want to feel better, go to age rejuvenation, lose weight, feel great, have better sex. You might have seen age rejuvenation as the new sponsor of my SR's Fab Five column on pewterreport.com. Well, I'm a new age rejuvenation customer too. Thankfully, don't have any issues in the bedroom, but I did turn 50 and energy has become a problem. It turns out I had low testosterone, like most men in their 40s and 50s. It's just nature, fellas, and it doesn't get any easier in your 60s or 70s either. Low testosterone affects everything from weight loss to energy to stamina, but now there's a way to fight it, and that's what I did with the testosterone therapy at Age Rejuvenation. I've got more energy as a result. Visit agerejuvenation.com. They've got five Tampa Bay area locations to serve you. Lose weight, feel great, have better sex with Age Rejuvenation. You could see John Gilmore, of course, on the Computer Report Tailgate Show coming up on Sunday. As we mentioned before, it'll be on the at the Walk-Ons in Midtown this week. Very excited for that. We, of course, have another show coming up tomorrow. JC Allen yeah. and myself will be on. We'll be having a guest on as well, former NFL player who played for the Saints for a while, wide receiver Terrence Copper. He has his own Saints podcast, so he'll give us a little more in-depth analysis about the Saints. Um, but should be exciting stuff. Good to have JC on again as well. Make sure you check out his show, Touchback Tuesdays with Antoine Winfield Jr. If you haven't watched that yet, um, it was a really great show. It's yeah. you know it's about 13 minutes, so it's pretty quick in and out, but a lot of great insight from Antoine Winfield Jr. And if you like this show and all the other content and information that uh, you know we put on our YouTube channel at PeterReport.com, just do us a favor. Hit the like button, subscribe. Just gives you a heads up, a little head nod when uh, you know when we when we got stuff coming out. Just a little nod for you, and uh, you know gets you a little more information about the Bucks and of course PeterReport.com and PeterReport. Right. One comment about this, real quick, from Long Lost Laser. The only testimonial I'll believe about Scott's age rejuvenation clinic better come from Ashley Reynolds herself. Actually, my wife Ashley will be doing age rejuvenation. She's already had her initial consultation. Uh, she has hit the the 40 year old mark and you know that same things are hormonally happening with women that, that they do with men a little bit different but but same type of results with energy and, and and all of that so she's actually become a client of age rejuvenation too so she will be giving her testimonial and also validating mine in a couple of weeks on our peter report tailgate show that's part of the deal so 
stay tuned for that. We'll have her make her Pewter Report uh, debut here on, on the, the, the Tailgate Show, and she'll tell you all about it. There you go. Some more good stuff, some more uh, good things to look forward to. So for Scott Reynolds, I'm Matt Matera saying thank you, everybody, for watching, and we will see you tomorrow for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out. It's going to be the best one yet. Yes, it will.